0: What's up guys? Welcome to Made of Miller, the podcast where four sisters get together and talk about all things family, relationships and everything in between. We're your hosts, Sarah, Katie, Leah and Leslie, and we're Made of Miller. Hey friends, today is part 4 of our husband series. And today you get the final treat of hearing myself, Sarah, and my husband, Joseph. So let's get into it. And so, my sisters have given me a list of questions to ask you. And you can also ask me if you... Joe, stop. Oh my gosh. Okay. I wish that you guys could see his face on the other end of this. Joe, why are you making all of these fascinating facial expressions?
1: Well, you haven't finished your thought, so I don't know where this is going.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So the fourth week, we're doing this because a lot of a lot of us have been traveling. Myself, I have had a couple of uh, eye surgeries because I've had some surprise uh, retina detachments, which has been super fun and, <laughs> sarcastically speaking, um, I've had to lay on my face two different times for – A week on my face each and then on my side for the other week. So, and that's very difficult for me because I like to go and keep doing things. I'm, it's really hard to put me down. Like when I'm sick, like if I have a cold or something, like I'll still keep going. People won't even know that I'm sick because I just don't like to be, um, still, and that's really hard for me. Um, so I've actually had like this past year, a lot of sickness where I've had to be um, just kind of laying in bed. Um, so it's been a difficult year. Um, anyways, all that to say, that's probably why I'm the last one, because they were giving me time to get better, recover from my surgeries. God, I'm so nervous right now. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I'm not normally this nervous. Joe, my husband, Joseph, is like... He's super techie, but he's also like real brain... He's really brainy. Basically, he's a big dork. (laughs) I'm just kidding. And he makes me nervous because he's like... "Ah!" This is so weird for me because I... Like as a profession, I speak professionally, so it's so funny that he's making me so nervous. Like I could speak in front of five hundred people and not feel nervous at all, but being one on one with my husband, who I talk to every day on here, is making me super nervous.
1: Why do you feel this way?
0: Um, I think that I I look up to you in a lot of ways because you're you are super intelligent, um, really smart. You're techie and I feel like not necessarily that you're judging me, but that you kind of, and judging, I don't say that in a critical sense, like that you're like judgy, like as in like you're being rude. You're just judgmental in the way that you look and view the world. Like you're constantly judging things, whether it's, I feel like you're constantly judging things, whether it's correct, evaluating, Evaluating, that's a good way to put it. Thank you you're constantly evaluating things. So I feel like I need to be on it. Plus you want to be fast, you want to be efficient and you have a lot of things to do. So I want to, I'm want i hyper aware of that.
1: So what is it like living with someone like me who drives for optimization, whereas oh. you may <laughs> prefer a more flowy, naturally, <laughs> a less regimented schedule and life flow.
0: Yeah, well, you're you're just going along for the journey with me, <laughs> because at the beginning of our marriage, I feel like you wanted things a very certain way, and I didn't know how to communicate clearly to you, like how I wanted to do fun things or be a little more flowy. And you're very like stuck in your boxes. Uh, for instance, this is a great example. Joe and I used to be directors of a team camp in Kansas city. And we had like our weekly schedule. However, Mondays were our day off and our department that we worked for used to have this large staff meeting. And because Joe Joe refused to go to our, the boss's meeting our boss's meeting because it was his day off, like absolutely refused. And it was super humiliating because I would still be going by myself without him. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, Joe won't come because it's his day off. Like literally, can you imagine telling your boss, sorry, I'm not coming to this mandatory staff meeting because it's my day off. What were your thoughts behind this, Joseph?
1: This speaks to a couple different elements. Number one, I don't know if your audience is aware of that working context in which the mission space at which we used to work required a minimum of 50 hours per week to qualify as full time. As directors, we were doing probably more than that just as a director. But in addition to that, I also had my own proprietorship. I was also drumming, teaching drums. And so my day off was sacred time in the purest sense of that word and perhaps we'll explore in this discussion how me being principled can manifest itself in oh. silly ways oh my God. so thus, the principle for me the issue wasn't that I didn't work hard my issue is in in general I work way too hard about yes. in, in every element of my life so In order to keep some semblance of balance, the irony here is that I refused to go to a mandatory meeting as a principle of protecting that time off.
0: Yeah. Whatever Joe does, he is extreme in the way that he does it. And, like, whatever he believes, it's, like, to the nth degree of belief. So for him taking this time, like, off, Literally, he would do absolutely nothing, like nothing. I'd be so pissed off because I'm like, we got to get the car, you know, fixed, or we got to like, you know, just mow the lawn. He would not do anything. And I'd be, I was so angry. I'm like, this is what people do on their days off. Like, unfortunately, as working adults and humans, like you don't really get like a real day. I mean- I guess you can take a real day off. I suppose it was probably healthy, but because our life was so full and busy during the week, like we didn't have any other time to take care of business, so I felt like he was really good about setting aside that time. Um, but I wasn't like I I didn't fully have like complete boundaries.
1: This should be contextualized. However, this was pre kids, yes, pre me going to school, pre. I mean, almost an infinite amount of layers simpler. Today, I'm a very different person. I don't, my, even though I'm principled and those still manifest in sometimes humorous ways, I will not block out 24 hours in which I veg out. That doesn't happen anymore.
0: Totally. Okay. So what is another example of like a humorous principled stance that you've taken recently?
1: I could flip the question. For me, I am being me. I'm not arbitrarily trying to be someone else or abide by someone else's standard of living philosophy. And so I may not notice when I do something that probably a normal person would think is absolutely outrageous. Uh, I mean, I suppose this this may be a minor example, but I've recently started training jiu-jitsu and so from time to time, I'll catch myself walking into my workplace with part of my gi on because it's more efficient to wear half my gi so that when I get to the gym, I don't have to go into the back room and, and change it all. Gosh. Now, that's a, a minor manifestation, but it is nonetheless a representation of a certain elements in my life to, to make them simpler. They'll bleed into others and with somewhat of a, a comedic uh Flare.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm getting all excited over here because I have two examples. One is when earlier in our marriage, <laughs> when Joe, when we'd be leaving the car to be efficient, Joe would press the lock button really fast, but he would lock me in the car almost every time, therefore making it not efficient anymore. Cause then he had to unlock it so I could get out of the car and then he could lock it again. The other thing is, is that he has this idea that like, um when you leave your appliances plugged in, it's called like vampire, it's like using what is it called? Vampire. Vampiric electricity. Vampiric electricity. And so basically you're spending cents, not even probably not even cents, like over the course of the day not using your appliances while it's plugged in. So he wants to save money. It's like in his mind he's it kind of falls in the same category of his like efficiency. But it is the most annoying frustrating thing ever I like just going to like warm something up in the microwave or I want to make some coffee and I was like I literally have to get down on my hands and knees and plug something in plug an appliance in because it's unplugged and he does it all throughout the day so there'll be something I plug in and I Think that it's still plugged in, and I go to use it, and it's unplugged again. And I'm like, ah, I'm like I'm gonna kill you, like. And I like remember, like when he first started doing this, I'm like, y- you cannot do this with the washer and dryer. Like there's some things that are completely off limits. So fortunately, he doesn't touch that because I would, I would be in jail. <laughs> I'd kill him. No, <laughs> but yeah, he does it with like everything, like everything, like the TV. At least the TV's on a, a switch. So like, oh, oh my God, he's, he, oh my gosh, this man is going to, he just reminded me, he does something with the peanut butter recently. <laughs> so he takes the jar of peanut butter and because, you know, if you get natural peanut butter, it has like a bunch of oil in there that you're supposed to like stir in to like, so it holds together. Anyways, he's been taking the peanut butter and flipping the jar upside down so he doesn't have to stir the oil in so it naturally stirs itself. But the thing that's so annoying about that is that I have to flip it up and you have to let it wait for a minute because if you lift up the lid too soon, the peanut butter drips all over the place. And I'm constantly getting peanut butter, sunflower butter all over my hands while I'm trying to make Sophia sandwiches or smoothies in the morning. And I'm like, it's not more efficient. This is actually more annoying. Why, Joe, do you think this is more efficient?
1: Well, it is more efficient. I'll explain the efficiency on both levels. So number one, you don't have to stir it anymore. Number two, whenever you go to apply the peanut butter, all you have to do is let it set for five seconds. And then when you unscrew it, you unscrew it slowly. Maybe give it a couple love taps. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then you examine just to make sure you're not going to get peanut butter. Over your, on your fingers. And what's also great is there's a third efficiency here. When the jar of peanut butter or some flour butter or whatever it is, is running low due to gravity, it's going to pull it down to the top so that you don't have to reach with the knife. It's all right there as if it's a brand new uh, tub of peanut butter. And so there's actually three layers of efficiency if you partner with the process
0: oh my god i totally disagree with you 100 i still think but yet good wife award here i'm not flipping the i'm flipping the jars of peanut butter the way that he likes them right wait actually i'm not i put him back in upright and he goes in and flips them upside down on me i won't yeah he flips them up upside down on me Yes, Joe. Joe's amazing. He helps me so much with making Sophia's food, especially since, like, all my surgeries and stuff. He's been very helpful. So, in that regard, it's like, yeah, it's frustrating, but you have to pick your battles. Well, guys, we're going to take a little break here. And when we come back, we are going to segue into some questions of how we met. Stay tuned. All right. Joe, where and when did we meet?
1: There's potentially two answers to that question. I think we technically first met in a house in Grandview. One of our mutual friends, Jonathan Pollard, brought me there. We were, I don't know, 18, 19-ish, early college. And this house was full of girls. And that was very strange to me, (laughs) especially if you know Jonathan Pollard, uh, dear friend it was always I was always surprised how he was able to network with the opposite sex so successfully (laughs) that was still an an enigma to me so I walk in and I only have brothers and so I'm not used to being surrounded by a bunch of women and so the whole episode was pretty overwhelming so I walk through the kitchen sit down in a chair, I think, and if my memory serves me right, you then asked me if I wanted food or something. Now, at the moment, I didn't put together that we were classmates and there was this broader context of us actually having some sort of connection outside of that example. But I think technically, that was the first time we met. More broadly, we were in the same class in our Bible college experience. Mm -hmm. And that was the main thread of the embryonic stages of our relationship.
0: Yes. So I recognized Joseph from, he was drumming. So in our school, there was a, a large music component. And he was constantly up there drumming throughout the week. And I thought he was really cute. And I knew that Jonathan was friends with Joe. So when he brought him over, I was trying to very quickly make my move to get his attention by serving him food and offering him beverages, like whatever he needed. I mean, Joe, the reason why I was like interested in Joe is because he was so not interested. (laughs) In the opposite sex, or he—I wouldn't say you're not interested, but you just. You should clarify that I'm not gay. Yeah, you're not gay, but Joe is just like. What I mean by that is, he was very focused and driven, in in his studies and in like the program that we were in, and so it was very attractive to to me that he wasn't focused on other women, and I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to figure out how do I get his attention, like because it was like it was like a game for me i'm like i want to win his affections because no one else has caught his eye so joe's last name our last name together is meyer my obviously this is made of miller my previous name was miller so in bible school we got to sit next to each other and our other friend mutual friend amazing guy robert monson uh, was sitting kind of between us, I think. So the three of us were like the three amigos and we would just sit and laugh together and have so much fun all throughout Bible school. And that was kind of my inroad was through humor,
1: I think. I suppose to take this to the next layer is <laughs> I think the first time I realized there was more to you with respect to our relationship was at a... Uh, at an evening service, it wasn't uh, after you had come back from traveling, this was before that point, you confronted me because you had found out that Robert was sick. And I didn't tell you that, but I knew. And why that was important to me was my last name carried some political baggage in the community in which I grew up. And so I rarely could trust someone to be honest with me because there was almost always an undercurrent of using me to get to someone else in my family. And for someone to be honest like that with me was very, very rare. And so I, I knew that I could trust you because even though that community was very devout, in many ways, politically, there was a very low trust level. And so you inverted that. And that was, I I still remember that conversation.
0: So due to the particular nature of Joseph and I's spontaneous conversation today, we're considering doing a part two series uh, where we can answer more of the questions. So if you're interested, let us know if you want a part two. So we're going to do a few more minutes of the Q&A, but we probably won't go into all the details of our relationship. Okay, Joe. Do we have any nicknames for one another?
1: I suppose that's contextual. If you're mad at me, there could be certain terms used. But <laughs> if these are affectionate names, the only, I mean, I, I call you love. Or if I'm writing a note to you, I write a pseudonym of Papa Bear. That sounds horrible, but that's the truth. Other than that, I can't think of any off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, and I don't go by Mama Bear. <laughs> he just writes Papa Bear. I think it came from Elf where – I think it actually came from Elf. When we were watching Elf when we were dating and there was like a Papa, Papa Bear. I think there's a Papa something bear in the movie. Anyways – yeah, he does sign his cards, Papa Bear, for some reason. I don't know where that came know. from. I think I just call you Babe. Babe, honey, sweetheart, typical ones. I might call you Love as well. And then if I'm really trying to get your attention, I'm like, Joseph, Joseph Henry. Or I'll just call you Henry, that's your middle name. Uh, Babe, who said I love you first? And where did this happen?
1: Well, it depends if all three words – need to be spoken together or if the word love by itself is mentioned in isolation no no what i i say that because we were dating and there was a point at which you said something like and this and this is why or maybe maybe you did maybe you said it first maybe you, you I think you said, this is why I love you or something. Okay. So I think you said it first, now that I'm processing that memory out loud. Uh, so you said it first. Well, sort of. Okay. I
0: might have that's, said that's something. Okay. Yes. But it wasn't like, I love you. It wasn't like a moment. It was more like, oh my gosh, this is why I love you. And then I was like, crap. I shouldn't have said that because I was we were, so Technically, you said I love you Tech. First. Okay. So- oh my God. See, this is what I have to deal with. He's so black and white, technical, whatever. So what, so no, the okay, que- what's the no. The moment—just think about the moment when it was like, "I love you," because it's a very romantic moment.
1: So I think the memory you're wanting me to share, even though it actually is the wrong answer, oh. was it in Boston,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in at Boston College?
0: Yeah.
1: I think it was raining, and we were under an umbrella. Yeah. And then I told you that I love you.
0: Yeah.
1: But that actually doesn't answer the question because this says oh – my gosh. Who said the three words, no. I love you, first, and <laughs> you said that to me first.
0: Yeah. You're ruining the moment. It was a very special romantic moment where, yes, we were in Boston on a trip with our school. Joe and I were out walking. We would get together every morning and walk around Boston, which Boston is my favorite city, and it was Actually, the city that I used to say I wish I could fall in love in Boston, which was really fun, that Joe, for the first time, said, I love you. And we were standing underneath an umbrella while it was raining. Um, it was super romantic. And I thought I was going to faint because it was he was holding me under the umbrella. And anyways, it was very sweet. But of course, he has to go and ruin it right now and be all technical and say that I said it. I didn't write the question. Oh, my gosh. Just... Okay, when did you meet my family and what did you think about them?
1: I think the first time I met your family was on that trip. We had an excursion to Maine. And I met your mother because I think we stayed. Hold on, I'm having to process this group of memories together. No, we stayed at your friend's house. I but, I, but I. But I met your mother and then separately I met your dad at his parents' house. And I remember immediately liking your grandfather Hmm. because he is who he is. And there's a comfort of even though he was very brash and loud and opinionated, there actually weren't any surprises because... You knew he was going to be that way, so there was an interesting amount of comfort in that. And I could tell that your dad was trying to mediate between his grandfather, his father, uh, sorry, yeah, uh, your grandfather, his father, while also trying to read me and figure out who's this kid from Kansas City dating my daughter, yet trying to be nice. And I well, and I respected that because I could tell he he wanted the best for everybody. And he wasn't going to push his own agenda arbitrarily. And he wanted to make sure that his family had a good reputation in my eyes. So, and I think you get some of that from him trying to to negotiate perceptions of people. And your dad still does that. And uh, he's really enjoyable to be around. And that's one of the reasons for that. And then your mom, uh, come to think of it, she's kind of the same person as she is today. And I I think she's slightly goofy. And I think you get that from her. I mean, your dad's slightly goofy as well. Your dad's probably more goofy. Well, no, maybe your mom's more goofy. Um, and so she's a lighthearted, warm individual, very welcoming, and, uh, you know, a very low threatening environment. And so, um, I mean, to me, the, the the bigger challenge wasn't so much your close family, but I think we, we performed ministry at your church, you know, it was more oh, this is Sarah's entire social world in Maine. And I'm having to navigate all of these individual perceptions of who I am. And even though I've lived in small towns, there definitely was a small town vibe to conversations and recognizing that if I was going to earn my spot here, I was going to have to win it overwhelmingly. I still don't know if I've totally done that, but uh, which is interesting, yet it was more balancing, oh, it's not just Sarah's family that I have to win over, it's these hundreds of people, or no, dozens, I'm exaggerating, dozens of people that that have known Sarah her entire life, and this is the first time I'm meeting them and uh, just trying to navigate those tumultuous waters.
0: Yeah, I definitely would say that you had a very intense first meeting of the family because it was the entire family, basically, all in one time. Um, Okay, how long have we been together?
1: In total, about 12 years.
0: We're about to celebrate our 10th wedding anniversary in May, which is super fun. And we had a trip planned to Europe that we were going to do, but we have to postpone that because of covid However, we do get to go to Hawaii and visit Katie and her family, which will be super fun. Um, Okay, two more questions. And, again, if you want a part two from us, let us know. What am I really good at?
1: You probably have the highest social intuition out of anyone I've ever met. What I mean by this is I'll walk through some social terrain And I'll have a a, a very particularly directed route through it. And my perception will be basically just as wide as my route is. Whereas you'll walk through that same social terrain and see the whole landscape. So by the time we finally cross through it, you'll look at me and say, hey, did you notice that this, that, 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 and that, and this and the other thing are going on? And my response almost always is, I didn't see that. I didn't notice that. No, there's no way that's true. And then nine 9.9 times out of 10, you're right. So it got to the point where basically from my point of view, Sarah can basically tell the future from her experience in a social gathering, whereas I cannot, that is just not part of uh, my social makeup. And so that I think is your biggest skill. And you've used that repeatedly to your own benefit professionally and socially because you're able to just, through intuition, map trajectories of different uh, people's, you know, preferences in a social dynamic and make sure that if you're <clears throat> hosting parties, that the right people are grouped with the right people for the right reasons in the right, you know, time span for the right reasons. And it's, it's, it's all it, it actually is scientific in a way, but it, it comes so naturally to you that it seems like it's effortless, but I would never be able to do that. Ever, yeah. So she's nodding uh, vigorously in agreement that I I would miserably fail. I would be the worst party planner in the world. In <laughs> fact, I could get a job being the worst party planner in the world. So uh, she's the absolute opposite of that, and it 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 comes so naturally that you would think. I mean, it, it's arguably genius level, and it's not just <clears throat> my perception of that. Uh, my brother, uh, he's said the same thing as well, and he. No, uh, Jesse, and he, he knows you obviously less than I do, but nonetheless, when Jesse does have a comment to say, it's usually insightful. And so, again, just cooperation on that point. So that is, I think, your biggest skill.
0: Okay, and then final question: What am I really bad at?
1: I think that there are situations in which you find yourself that, just like you can map a trajectory exceptionally well. You can, there are times in which those trajectories are made up and cause you unnecessary stress because those made up trajectories end up being shadow trajectories and they're more maps of concern than they are actualities. And so then you end up feeling stress over what may as well be a ghost and yet this is sort of the yin yang of being so intuitive regarding social dynamics. So it's making sure to cage the negative components of that while still emphasizing the positive components of that yet still recognizing that you need, you need to be aware of what's in the cage because those are distinct social possibilities. Someone could betray you. Someone could backstab you. Someone could uh, be using someone else to, to get at you. That those can happen and where there are people there are problems so you, you those are natural effects, but they haven't happened and most of the time they don't happen <laughs> or or if they or if they do they it's it, it's pretty obvious that they will yeah and so the I guess it's sort of just like the shadow side of that superpower where being careful about not letting hypotheticals be a source of stress and i'm guessing you've already talked about the role of stress in your health and whatever else uh so that kind of plays into the the wider sort of spectrum of living a healthy life
0: fair enough i would definitely agree that that's probably the the thing that i'm not very good at is i can perceive things a certain way sometimes more negative i'm a little bit afraid um yeah I think there's sometimes fear that's driven. But if I feel safe, and like I know I'm like very much like it's a safe place, I'm loved, then I don't worry about that type of thing. Um, so yeah, I would agree. Um, anyways, I think this was a really good podcast. I had a lot of fun with you. Did you have fun today? See, si. <laughs> see. Si. All right, guys. Thanks for joining Joe and I today. We had an awesome time, super fun time chatting with each other and to you. So make sure to go on to our podcast, Apple, and like us, rate us, let us know what you think, how we can improve, what you want to hear. Follow us on Instagram at made of Miller and join us for next week when all four of us sisters get back together. We love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.